Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 324 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about meniscus tears, the clinical exam. We're going to be going over the role of the meniscus, mechanisms of injury, the clinical presentation, special tests, and so much more. But if you don't mind holding for a moment, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit easyslant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Welcome back, everyone. So before we get started, I just wanted to throw out there for those of you going to CSM Boston in February of 2024, be sure to stop into booth number 9080, where I'll be hanging out with Dr. Susie Lachowski from Glass Training and Education. We'll be talking about everything BFR related from different BFR systems to live and online BFR courses, programming, and all things orthopedics. Um, I would love to connect and chat with you so if you are there be sure to stop by and uh, say hello and uh, I'd be more than happy to meet you that would be awesome so we've been seeing this little uptick in meniscal tears lately I think it's probably because people are playing pickleball a little bit more um, but um, we we see this happen we see these trends on occasion where um, people start to really jump on these activities and there are these injuries that are associated with them I mean we've we've seen it in everything from uh, crossfit to curves and uh, they just seem to have these common injuries that we see and uh, that's not uncommon so uh, we do see it a little bit more but you know the meniscus tear is something that we see a lot of I've seen it for more than 30 years um, and I that's what I want to talk about today is I want to talk a little bit about how do we identify a meniscus tear um, and then in our next episode we'll be talking about how to manage it so we we all pretty much know what the meniscus is right it's a crescent shaped fibrocartilaginous um, piece of material there's a medial and a lateral meniscus it's thicker on the outside than it is on the inside. Um, so it tapers almost like a, like a pie wedge or, you know, like the little wedge you put under the door to keep it open. It's made to, you know, absorb shock. Okay, so the, the meniscus is a fibrocartilage, whereas the lining of the femur and the tibia are more of a hyaline cartilage. It's really hard um, and it doesn't move as much, whereas the meniscus has the ability to move because of how it is made. Um, it's there to help keep the femur on the tibia a little bit better. No different than having a basketball on the floor and then blowing up a small inner tube, putting it on the floor and then putting the basketball inside of that. That basketball is not likely to roll around as much because um, there is more surface of the basketball being held on the outside. So it's not likely to roll and move so much. The meniscus does the same thing, okay, with the uh, femur on the tibia. So, 
We also need to know that the meniscus is a secondary restraint to shearing at the knee, okay? So, you know, when we do a Lachman test, we flex the knee to 25, 30 degrees. That's to help take some of that meniscus out of the picture because if we did it at full extension, number one... Um, the posterior knee structures would be tight and then you would be pulling up against the outer edges of the meniscus and that would stop it from gliding anteriorly or shifting anteriorly. That's why we flex that knee a little bit um, and uh, we take all the soft tissues, put them in a loose pack position and then do the test. So it is a very important secondary stabilizer. I mean, I've seen people who have had complete ACL tears and you do a Lachman and they feel really snug. Um, and it's because in large part, they have a large meniscus that's very solid and holding them in nicely. And all the other structures around the knee are, are nice and solid and tight also. Um, that is why uh, there are some people out there who don't need to have their ACLs repaired or replaced. Um, or reconstructed, I should say. Um, the meniscus is very avascular. The outermost rim of the meniscus is what has the most blood supply. The inner has really none at all. Um, and it is held onto the tibia via the coronary ligaments. And these ligaments help to allow the meniscus to move anteriorly and posteriorly and a little bit side to side. Um, and so you'll uh, you'll also notice that the medial meniscus may be a little bit more stable, not move as much, and that's why it is uh, oftentimes more torn than the lateral side is. Um, remember that there are also other structures that attach to or next to the meniscus, like the MCL, the hamstring fibers, etc. And so you need to do some selective tissue tension testing when you are suspicious that somebody has a meniscus tear um, to identify if something else is going on. Uh, you know, we've seen a... Uh, popliteal tendons look like meniscus tears. Hamstring tendonitis look like meniscus tears. So you need to keep that into consideration when you are doing your evaluation on your patient. One of the most important things to know, though, about the meniscus, in my opinion and from my experience, is that it is an intra-articular structure, okay? There are certain structures inside the capsule. There are certain structures outside of the capsule. So if you can identify which structures are inside the capsule and you have a tear, you're more likely to be able to identify what it is because of an intra-articular effusion, okay? So it's very important to understand that. Now, there's probably half a day's worth of information we can talk about regarding the meniscus and the anatomy alone, okay? But what my job is here is for those of you listening, you PTs, NPs, PAs, family practice physicians, athletic trainers, uh, chiropractors, you know, we're not doing surgery, right, on these folks. We need to be able to identify a meniscus tear and try to decide if it can be managed conservatively or not. That is our job. Um, oftentimes, people, patients get to us and they have the diagnosis of knee pain. We need to sort that out as physical therapists and try to identify what it is and how do we best and most appropriately treat it. Um, and, and oftentimes, it, that can be very difficult to do. But some of us see patients without a referral. And so they come to us. It's their first time seeing us. What I want to do today is talk about some of the key things to look for in the signs and symptoms that would help drive you in the direction of identifying if this is a tear or not, okay? Because the knee can be quite complicated. There are so many structures that look like each other, okay? Um, so I'm going to get a little off topic right now, um, and what I want to do is I want to talk 
about the importance of the meniscus. We we used to blow these off all the time. You know, 20, 25 years ago, I had a meniscus tear. Um, doing something super, super impressive. I was building a snowman with my seven-year-old son and slipped and tore my meniscus. So it's not a great story like I was, you know, mountain climbing or repelling or something like that. Um, but I went probably, oh, I would say eight months to a year before I had it fixed. Back then, yeah, if you had an MRI and you had a meniscus tear, you had surgery, they did a meniscectomy, and it was the end of the story. You rehabbed, and, and there you went. Um, well, about 30, 31 years ago, when I first started as a physical therapist with the company that I'm at right now, my first course I went to was a knee course. And um, upon entering the course, uh, we basically started off with some, some anatomy. And then they put up about seven or eight pictures, and they were x-rays of knees. And what they did was they asked us to identify how old we thought the patient was. And so, you know, a picture would come up of an x-ray, and somebody would raise their hand and say 78 years old, and somebody else would say 65 years old. Somebody else would say, you know, 72 years old, 80 years old. And it was a range between 65 and 85 years old for the six or seven slides that were up there. And then they went back to, and showed those slides with ages of patients on there, which ranged between 35 and 50 years old for all of those same slides. And what they were talking about was these are all people who had ACL deficient knees. They had torn their ACLs and did not have them reconstructed and ended up developing severe arthritis of the knee. So there was this big correlation between ACL tears and severe knee arthritis. Well, looking back at it now and looking at the statistics, we know that people who tear their ACLs, more than 80% of them will also tear a meniscus. And this thought process has really turned around more toward the meniscus being torn and developing severe osteoarthritis at an early age, okay? So it's really, it wasn't as much the ACL tear causing this. It was more not having a meniscus or having a meniscus tear that was a contributor to the arthritis in the knee. So now we see the meniscus being repaired a lot more than just meniscectomized, okay? Or just uh, basically debrided and cleaned out. So... You know, don't forget about all the other structures that we are, you know, that are around the knee and test for that also. But today we're going to be talking about the most, you know, common signs and symptoms related to meniscus tears and go from there. So let's talk a little bit about the mechanism of injury. Meniscus tears usually happen with some sort of a twisting or pivoting episode. Most people have a planted foot. Very very rarely will you ever see a patient come in who has torn a meniscus who did it in the open chain, okay? Now, in younger people, you'll see this happen in higher speed activities. We're seeing this a lot more in younger people now because there's just this, this huge competitiveness in, in different sports like soccer, basketball, um, and uh, sports where you're changing directions a lot. And so we are seeing it more in a younger population. Now, we also see this a lot um, in older folks, and these usually come with extremes of flexion. They were kneeling and they kind of went to sit back on their heel and felt a pop, or they were twisting. But usually these things happen at slower speeds. You need to remember the knee becomes a little more degenerative 
cartilage, not so pliable, doesn't move so well. And then you have some weakness around the knee that is not supporting it so well. So there's a little more onus on the menisci to help support the knee statically rather than dynamically. All right. Um, and so the other thing that you should take into consideration when you suspect that somebody may have a meniscus tear is that they may also have a chondral lesion. Um, and chondral lesions are not easy to identify clinically. Oftentimes uh, you'll see these in an x-ray where there's a big chunk of cartilage, a hyaline cartilage that's hanging around in the joint, um, but more oftentimes in an MRI. It's also very common to have a popping uh, when, uh, they're, when they tear the meniscus. Uh, you know, I talk about crepitus all the time and patients come in. We, this is a daily conversation. Patient comes in and says, oh, my neck cracks a lot or my shoulder pops or my knee pops all the time or there's a lot of cracking. Um, I tell people, don't worry about it unless there's a definitive pain with the pop. And that's usually what happens when somebody tears their meniscus or tears an ACL. There's that popping or crunching sensation and, you know, pain associated with it pretty much right away. There's also an intra-articular swelling. We talked about the meniscus being an intra-articular structure, so it bleeds inside the joint. And so these people will have a positive brush test, and it is my favorite special test to do on the knee in regards to identifying if somebody has intra versus extra-articular swelling. Um, so if you find that the knee is completely full, maybe it's warm, there's some synovitis there, you need to be thinking intra-articular. Um, is there joint line fullness? Okay, it's very common to find joint line fullness and tenderness on the side where the meniscus is torn. Okay, now there are some special tests associated with identifying meniscus tears and I, I'm going to be the first person to be totally frank with you. In 31 years, I've seen thousands of knees Many meniscus tear patients, I've very seldomly used the McMurray test or Thessaly's or Apley's, okay? Um, first of all, there's really poor diagnostic accuracy with the McMurray's test. Um, I personally prefer to do this, okay? Um, if a patient comes in, they have medial joint line tenderness and fullness uh, and a popping mechanism, and I've ruled out an ACL tear, I will then, if I'm suspicious of a medial meniscal tear, I will place their knee in varus and I will flex and extend them while putting a varus pressure on the knee because I'm, I'm compressing that medial joint line. I'm basically taking them to the end range of flexion and extension. I find that to be a better indicator if they have a click and or pain associated with that for a meniscus tear. And then I'll do the same thing on the opposite side for a lateral meniscus tear. Um, I, I'm not crazy about the Thessaly's test uh, only because, you know, squatting and putting a pivot on that knee is kind of like how they tore it in the first place. Okay. So we really don't want to be, you know, tearing it more, causing more agitation. And this is a test that can be quite uncomfortable if you had knee arthritis or patellofemoral dysfunction or many other problems. Um, so I would prefer to take that patient while they're on their back and place the knee in full extension, maybe hyperextend it a little bit. And if they say that hurts, you ask them where, okay? And if they point to the anterior knee, it's more likely to be an anterior horn type of tear. Whereas if you flex them uh, and they complain of pain in the posterior aspect of the knee, um, that could be more indicative of a posterior horn type of issue. Um, you know, remember this, when there is swelling or effusion inside the knee, 
you end up with reflex inhibition, right? The quad starts to shut down. When the quad shuts down and you're not getting good dynamic stability around the knee, there is more stress on the static stabilizers of the knee, like your meniscus and like the hyaline cartilage, will get more shearing to it and therefore start to break down faster. Um, so that is kind of my take on the evaluation of, of the knee with a meniscus tear. There's a lot going on here. Um, but I think that if you remember a couple things, joint line tenderness, a flexed knee posture when they're walking, intra-articular effusion with a brush test, a pivoting with an occasional pop. Those are really the, the, the big, you know, four or five there that I look at to identify if somebody has a meniscus tear. Uh, oftentimes these people will have difficulty with walking and they'll walk with a flex knee posture because they don't like um, the sense of instability that they get when they're in full extension. And plus they can co-contract the quads and hamstrings to help support them better. Um, but these are folks where I'll be checking all the other surrounding ligaments also. Varus and valgus stress test. I'll be doing anterior posterior drawers and uh, Lachman test. And uh, just to rule out any of that ligamentous uh, stuff that could be going on there. But um, this should take you closer to identifying if somebody has a meniscus tear. So um, I want you to think about this till next episode where we're going to be, going to be talking about the management of the patient with the torn meniscus and what direction you take them in when they come in and present with what we found today. All right. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.